Hi, welcome to Days in a Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today, uh, we're going to talk to Cliff Gray. We're going to kind of listen to some stories and maybe uh, pull some tidbits out of that and hopefully uh, be able to apply that to our own hunting. What's going on, man? How are you? Good, John. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely. You've been busy. You've been busy, man. Mm. Yeah. It sounds like sounds like uh, you have you have been too, man. But uh, yes, yeah. I don't know what the life's like a tornado lately. So you know how it goes. Yeah, I'm sure being on Joe Rogan probably uh, added to that, right? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So so that's it's it's interesting because that uh, that whole deal was the you know doing it and then the after effects in some ways were very very much what i expected and then in some ways very much different <laughs> you know what I okay mean? and <laughs> I, I yeah and i don't know i don't really know how to describe it other than like i mean you everybody knows the guy has like a massive audience right but how how it how it comes out of the woodwork you know after you're on is uh is in, it's pretty it's pretty wild you know what I mean to, you know, and not not necessarily not in a ne- not in a negative way. I mean, it's just like probably probably your exposure to social media and stuff. You know, ninety eight percent of people are great people. Mm-hmm. So I I mean I just got like tons of emails and and that sort of thing. Just you know just with you know positive things to say or whatever. And then you get then you get the one odd out of one out of thirty one out of forty mm-hmm. uh, contacts that are kind of kind of different. But um. That's a nice way Other to put than it. that, it's just uh, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> They're kind of different, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, five five percent of the population is just, or one percent of the population that say it's just uh, a little bit, a little bit different, man. But uh, but whatever. Um, it was it was cool. I, I uh, the the other component of it is is it's it's interesting because you get you, you get a lot of I guess different types of opportunities kind of come your way out of a, a thing like that the exposure hmm. which means you have to go through a process of kind of sifting through it and and seeing if you want to you want to you want to pivot your life at all in in different ways than what you've already been doing you know so yeah so yeah. it's a it, it, it's kind of an interesting interesting thing to think about not not something i anticipated at all john is what i would say to people who who are curious about that thing people yeah. ask me like people ask me like oh how did you get on you know uh you know like oh yeah that's part of it because everybody like, wants to be on joe rogan i guess you know <laughs> yeah yeah like you know and, and it's it's funny because it's it wasn't even on my radar on something that you know that i would that, that he would want me to be on or anything right. like that so so the answer, the answer to all of that is just like, uh, I guess if, it, if those kind of opportunities, if it's his deal or other things, you just, uh, you just do them if you get asked, I guess. Right. That's the yep. thing Seize I the say. moment. Seize the moment. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know you were on there. I mean, when I had asked you to come on my podcast, I didn't know you were on there. And then I was just kind of going gotcha. some research. I'm like, oh shit, he was on Rogan. I'm like, um, okay, well, I listened to it. You did a good job, by the way. <laughs> It's, so if, if that's uh, any consolation <laughs> yeah well, no, dude, it's, it's funny I, it, it, well, I wanted to jump in like, in the wolf conversation but i can't obviously <laughs> i got you but um thing john in, the, in kind of in the context of like storytelling mm-hmm. when you're on you know i think it's kind of a a culture of like hunting and fishing if you've spent a whole lot of time like out there, you know, doing adventures or whatever, you've got stories to tell. And when you're in, you, it's weird though. Cause when you're in a conversation, like, like a Rogan conversation or, you know, any podcast really mm-hmm. in the back of your mind, you might have stories you want to tell that, I mean, cause I'm used to that. Like my years of guiding and outfitting, you know, kind of almost part of the job is like when you're yeah, sitting at the, you're, lodge, an you're sitting in the camp, like yeah, you you learn how to tell stories, and over the years you tend to you tend to get some stories right that you know people enjoy. Well, it like the one frustrating thing to me, and it's always like twenty twenty hindsight about the Rogan interview is I think we had interesting conversations, but I but selfishly and egotistically I was not able to like tell any any of the stories that I really you know that that I found over the years people like. 
you know what I mean? So well, it's kind guess of a funny, what? I guess, like self self critique, you know. Perfect. Perfect lead in. <laughs> you let into me for me, man. It's all <laughs> now we get to hear those stories. So Yeah. But uh yeah, we could get into get into whatever you uh uh yeah, whatever whatever kind of stories you want to get into. But it's just yeah. kind of an interesting it's an interesting thing, man. Sure. Um, you well, know, before we uh, before we get into any ahead. of that, uh, just give us a little rundown about yourself and like you know how you how you fit into the puzzle here, and uh, and that way people know who the heck we're talking to. Yeah, so so I'll kind of give you the the breakdown of the last I don't know fifteen twenty years of my life. The majority of that has been spent as a guide and outfitter, and mostly in Colorado. I I had. I had a fair amount of business in British Columbia too before COVID, um, but the majority of my hunting, guiding, outfitting was in horseback, horseback and mule uh, accessible areas in the wilderness in Colorado. Uh, probably seventy percent of that was elk hunting, and then the balance was mule deer, sheep hunting, goat hunting, nice. and then uh, uh, bear hunting. So, kind of a I guess a fairly diverse hunting background, but it, it very much so focused on kind of like the the more wilderness backcountry stuff. Nice, awesome. Um, and yeah, and I guess and I guess to close that close that little uh, that little uh, bio, I guess is that I sold my outfitting businesses. Now it's been close to two years. I ran them. I ran them for one more season after I sold them. Mm-hmm. But I sold them and then. Since then, I've been just working on other little projects in life um, and keeping busy. I don't know. I guess I'm like doing a little mini retirement, but for some reason, I I don't ever feel I don't I don't feel like I've got a bunch of time on my hands. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Well, that's awesome that you could you, you could do that, man. I I've uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about this whole retirement thing myself, <laughs> and I'm like. Like every time I look, I feel like I'm gonna be working until I'm in my mid seventies here. Um, it's just crazy. I w- I'd, I'd love to be able to like step back a lot more than I am now, especially from my real job, which is uh, swimming pool construction and service and maintenance. But um, yeah, I don't know. Something's got to give a little bit. I gotta tell you, like. Uh, and I know you you got active you got um, involved in a couple of things, but um, you know doing the how for wildlife thing. I don't know if you knew this or not, but I'm the vice president, and uh, yeah, that eats that eats up a lot of a lot of time, a lot of bandwidth on top of what I was already doing, uh, and on top of being a family man, having three kids and all that stuff. So it's kind of been it's kind of been rough. I'm feeling like I got to let something go somewhere. Um, and it can't be that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to figure yeah. out what, what's the best move to make. Might be the outfitting. I don't know. <laughs> I really yeah. don't know. It's crazy. Uh, I, I hear you. Dude, I think, I think there's like certain personality traits that that tends to be, tends to be the norm right mm-hmm. is that if you if, if you have a gap on your on your plate you're gonna you're gonna fill it yep, and that's uh <laughs> yeah and, and i wouldn't because people ask me about my situation and they think like oh you know i planned it and and i i didn't really plan it i i i seized what seemed seemed to me personally to make sense at the moment mm-hmm. but i i didn't I didn't think it was going to happen as soon as it was going to, and I'm not, I'm not done working for the rest of my life, but I will say, you know, to something you, you just mentioned that when you, if you have that personality, it seems to me like if you get a gap just to think Mm -hmm. it's actually, it's actually really valuable, man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. And I can only speak for myself, but I have so much, so many different things on my plate all the time. I, sometimes I feel like I don't have bandwidth just to think about the direction of, of, of any of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like fighting the fires day to day. So right. I think I understand kind of where you're at is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's just, yeah, hopefully I'll be able to, to figure out something here soon. Cause I don't sure. know, I don't know how much longer I could burn it, burn it on uh, both ends, you know, like burn the candle on both ends. It's just, it gets, it's a, it gets to you. 
and I, the older I'm getting, it's like, yeah, maybe you can't really, uh, you know, operate on four hours of sleep anymore. <laughs> you know, and maybe, maybe you're sure. not made of steel anymore. And there's just, just too much, uh, too much on your plate. So, right. Well, the, the howl for wildlife thing, I mean, from my exposure to it, which is not, not a huge amount, but I, I see you guys' momentum on social media and stuff. I mean, that, that seems to be growing and becoming a, becoming a, a thing, right? Yeah. I mean, we're trying, we're trying our best. I, you know, a lot of the heavy lifting is done by Charles. Uh, he's doing a lot of the like research and the planning and putting the, uh, the actions up and stuff and that eats up a shit ton of time which i don't have time for you know my my rule my rules um i can i can pick and choose when i do what i get what i do for the most part but it's still it's just a lot you know sure so but yeah anyway so i don't want to talk about that old old all uh podcast long here we'll bore the shit out of everybody but um yeah, man, I'd love to hear some of these stories that you would that you missed out that you didn't get to share on Rogan. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, man, we can uh, we can jump into something. One thing, and I do this on my on my YouTube channel, uh, John. Like, it, it's funny the story thing for hunters that they're, they're hunters or fishermen. I actually think that stories are the best way to. You actually mentioned to me like, hey. Hey, think if you know of any stories where you learned something or it changed the way you hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know you texted me that. I thought you know like when I started to think about it, I was like you know almost all almost all the stories that I think about in my you know guiding and outfitting career are that right. They're all things that how I was able to like you know that story packages up like something I learned. And uh, so I think almost all my stories are along along that path, man. And I, and I actually think stories are a good way for people to learn. At least I know it's a way a way that, that I've learned a, a ton, man. You know, hundred um, percent. That's kind of why I do it that way. Because you know, I do a lot of traditional podcasting where I'm just asking questions about tactics and stuff, and people love those. Like those are still more probably my favorite. But I like the, you know. Uh, experience-based learning as well we, when people could kind of like put things in context and then they're like oh okay yeah yeah you know I think it makes it easier to recall a situation that you heard and then recognize it in your own you know your own life yeah, oh yeah. and be able to apply it you know yeah yeah no no for sure and so, uh and that kind of gets me to, to this story, John, because it, it, it changed the way that, I mean, for years, man, if I was, if, you know, after I shot an animal or a hunter shot an animal, I was just focused on blood tracking, right? Mm-hmm. I would just be looking for blood. And then if I lost blood, I would be frustrated and I'd spend hours just trying to refine it. And so, so this was, this would have been like 2016, 2017. It's when I was going up to British Columbia and uh doing doing bear hunting i what what it was is i would take i don't know 10 to 25 guys up there bear hunting and i partnered with with outfitters in canada mm-hmm. but i go up there and i'd spend like six seven weeks anyways we were up there in the coastal mountains and it was like the second week of may and it always varies you know how the bear hunting is in you know that early to mid may because it just has to do with the snowpack in those mountains <clears throat> so a lot of times up and a lot of bears are awake other times you hit it a little early and you're literally like trouncing around in the snow just trying to scrounge up the few you know bears that are already awake the -hmm. one thing nice about the one thing nice about that is that those first bears that get up are usually usually bigger boars so that's that's the upside of it and this in that 2016 2017 that was the situation i mean we'd been at it We'd been at it for like three or four days, and I think we'd seen like two or three bears. And this area has a fair amount of grizzlies in it too, and and they were they were already up too. So we had seen just as many black bear. We were black bear hunting. We'd seen just as many black bears as we, or we had seen just as many grizzlies as we as we had black bears. Not very many. So we were kind of struggling. You know, up there when it's good, you're gonna see four or five bears a day. You know, but we were struggling to find any bears. And then we finally found this bear, and he was on a 
he was on a like a he was on a steep logging logging road there. They're 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 logging really steep uh, elevation grades, so they'll be they'll be like these steep switchback cuts in the in in these uh, in these uh, clear cuts where they've logged. Mm-hmm. And this bear was walking along that, and he was eating grass on the side. So the hunter had a good shot. He shot, and the bear bailed off, you know, down into the cut block. And there was some reproduction there, so there was it was there's a bunch of brush in the cut block. And cut blocks the term that Canadians use for clear cuts. But but anyways, there was uh, the bear bailed in there. And we saw him go in there, and we go over and where the hunter had shot the bear, there was impact blood, and probably for like 20 feet along that logging road, there was there was a decent blood trail. But immediately when the bear dove off into this brush and this regrowth, we lost the blood trail. And, and I mean, like, I couldn't find it mm. to save my life. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find where the bear had traveled through that stuff. And a lot of times in these situations with bears, and it's just like a thought for anybody that's out there spring bear hunting. If you can get them killed before they get in a thick brush, particularly in like coastal areas, your chances of recovering go way up because the minute they hit that brush, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what the real stats are, but I'm guessing that you, you, your chances of losing them probably double or triple. Oh yeah, know, just because sure. it's so thick. So we're at it. There's me, a Canadian guide, and the hunter, and we're at it like looking for this bear for, I mean, a couple hours, and we're just sitting in the top of this this cut block. Cut block. If anybody's been there, it's like. You know, you just get frustrated, and it starts to starts to hit you that you're gonna lose the animal, right? So we're we're doing like the standard thing, just gritting to try to pick up blood again, right? And it starts to get dark, and there, you know, that time of year, dark's like ten o'clock, you know, nine o'clock because the days are so long. Right. And I'm we're sitting there just in the in a bout of frustration, and it's been windy all all day, right? And I can, and all of a sudden, I just hear like. I hear this like very faint, like something on the wind and, and I can't tell what it is. And, uh, Mike, the Canadian guy with me, hears the same thing, but we can't tell what it is because there's like so much wind, but as, as it gets dark, it settles down you can hear it. And, and I don't know, have you, have you hunted bears a lot, John? Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've hunted my fair share. Yeah. And, and anybody who's hunted them for a while will have heard this before, but you can hear this. They moan sometimes. A yes. lot of times they moan. A lot of times they moan right before they, they die. Expire, like, yeah, you know, the there'll be moan. a period of time. And it's, and it's really, it's kind of, the only way to describe it to me is sad. It's like, uh, it's like and so I, we start to catch this, this sound, you know, on like in the wind. And it's like, 1500 yards from us way down in this bottom and it's and it's it's amazing to me because me and mike the guide we immediately know what it is and we also immediately know that if we don't get to it before the bear dies we're never going to find this bear so me the hunter and and mike we literally are sprinting down this cut block in the dark and it's grizzly country too and we're just like trying to get there as fast as we can because if this bear dies before you know if it takes us an hour to get there we're not going to find the bear it's just too thick so we literally just key in on the sound and sprint to the bear and i remember we we get we get down to the we get down to the bear we pinpoint them on the sound we get through the brush and sure enough we find them and we get the bear killed and the reason i always tell that story is because like that dynamic john like it changed how I think about these blood trailing situations. And I always use that as an example. It's like, look, if you lose blood, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, even if you just, you know, you think it's a marginal hit, try to use your other senses. Cause like in that situation, I can't describe, you know, how frustrated we were. And we were so just visually focused on trying to find blood, but just like the luck of the fact that that wind, you know, cr- the wind settled down when the, you know, when it got dark, Mm -hmm. the fact that we happened to hear that bear, you know, close to 1500 yards, 2000 yards away, not even, not even remotely close to where we were. That's the only reason we recovered that bear. And I can tell you that like over the years, that experience, you know, since then that experience has helped me recover a bunch of other animals. Like, I mean, you know, bull elk will do it too. 
-hmm. You can be tracking, you can be on a blood trail on a bull elk and having a frustrating time, you know, blood's getting way spread out. And if you're, and if you're sitting there bullshitting with who's ever tracking with you and you're being loud, you might miss the fact that, you know, that bull is like struggling through the timber and you can hear them crack stuff. They're so much louder when they're wounded than they would otherwise be. And so, like now it's just my policy. Like when I'm blood tracking, even if I've been at it for two or three hours, to the extent that I can, I try to be silent. And it's all based on that experience because there's just like little things you pick up, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think any... Any one experience did I did I do the same thing I I I'm hunting I'm like I'm like I never shot them you know I'm trying to sneak mm-hmm. you know sneak up on them because um, you never you just never know I I can't tell you how many times I've tracked something and it was you know whatever it was still alive and it's better whatever the case may be you know right. and I was able to make a follow up shot but you were saying using your other senses and stuff like that. I make, makes me remember a very, um, uh, a different animal. It was with an elk actually. Um, I had made a shot on a bull, got a pass through, but it was a little high. So I knew he was going to die, but the blood trail was really hard to find, follow. And, um, it had rained a little bit the night before, which, made the ground soft and I tracked tracks. I kind of like made a very good mental note because it was with a lot of the other elk too, you know, I had to go through all these different tracks, but go. I was like, I felt like, uh, you know, uh, like a Pocahontas or something. <laughs> I don't know, but I was, I was like finding broken twigs and, and, and stuff like that. And eventually came across my, you know, my arrow. I said it was a, it was a pass through. It was a through and through. It was hanging out the other side. So he dropped it down the trail. Yeah. Uh, a ways. And, you know, I, I tracked him probably 400 yards and, and I found them dead. But I, if I was relying on the blood, I would have, I would have been shit out of luck. Because yeah, yeah, like there was blood right at the fir- in the beginning, and like you said, and then after that, there was almost nothing until that arrow fell out, and that arrow was like three hundred yards down the down the trail. Um, but when that arrow yeah. fell out, um, you know, it, I guess it must have got that wound going better on both sides, and uh, it was a little bit easier to find blood. But up until that point, I was I was following. God knows what. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, and you know, it's it's funny, uh, John. It's not it's not really a story, but it's it's like I guess it's just a reflection for me on this on this concept because I've seen I started to see this a lot in my outfitting business, particularly the like I have a part of my business was drop camp. So I was just packing guys in and then they were doing their own hunting. Right. Um and one thing I would notice over the years is situations you're talking about, like I would interact with guys and they'd say like, they'd say, Hey, Oh yeah, we shot at these, we shot at these bulls. Um, but we missed. And then I started, and then sometimes I'd be like, are you sure you missed? Did you go check? And I, I've had several times where I found dead bulls, mm-hmm. you know, days after, unfortunately, where guys thought they missed. And I've had several situations where I talked to guys, I convinced them to go look and sure enough, there was a dead bull. And, and, you know, this is, it, it's, those are unfortunate scenarios and they, and they have to do with the exact dynamic you're talking about. You know, maybe, you know, maybe the people are not, you know, people are not getting right to where the animal was, you know, when they shot it. So mm-hmm. they're not finding impact blood. You know, if it's an art, like, you know, how it, I mean, even with archery, I mean, you can, you can shoot at a bull and you can think like he's standing next to that tree. You get excited for a moment. You jump up, you walk over and you're like, you're like he's standing, he was standing next to this tree. And then you realize like, no, he was standing next to the tree that's seven feet away. Right. You know what I mean? Like it, it changes everything. Story perspective. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, I mean, if you think that for sure the bull was at this tree and you start looking for an arrow, you're not going to find it. But if you go to the right tree, you're going to find it. Right. So, so it changes everything because now you're thinking like, oh, well, I must have hail married it over his back and the arrows, 
you know, 250 yards away, I'll never find it. Well, it turns out there's a bloody arrow not that far from you. It's just you're not looking in the right spot or, mm. or whatever. But the reason I bring this up is not to shit on other people. It's more it's more from more from my perspective and reflection. I realize now, you know, reflecting on these experiences that I'm I'm I am certain that when I was a kid, John, there's actually like a couple moments that I remember shooting blacktail in California mm-hmm. um, where like, I remember shooting the animal, feeling great about the shot, going over there, not finding blood, like which is within, you know, just 20 minutes, uh, just like a, a young guy, you know, 17, 18 years old, looking for blood for 20 minutes, being like, oh, I missed. But mm-hmm. now I reflect on those moments and I'm like, I'm almost certain I left a dead deer there, you oh, know? Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it it's in a i think it's good i mean i i i'm i'm glad that i'm i'm reflect that way but it, it kind of bums me out i'm like man i wish i had the knowledge of realizing that that blood like the this this perfect blood trail is i mean really the majority of the time not there you know that i find mm-hmm. um and there's some time where there's just no blood but there is a dead animal you know and I, I guess what I'm saying is I wish I knew that earlier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all, uh, tactics aside, whatever, but like just from a philosophical point, uh, standpoint, we owe it to that animal to, to give it our best effort to look anyway. Right. I mean, we, uh, we took, we took a shot at it. We, we gotta go look, you know, I've, I've seen it all too many times where guys shoot from a distance and then they're like, yeah, I missed. And I'm like, how the frick do you oh, know yeah. you missed? I mean, my wife had an elk tag several years ago. This is when she was still pregnant. Actually, she was pregnant with my son and he's seven now. So probably about eight years ago. And these guys were shooting from like 1500 yards at these bulls. And they never went over there to look. And I'm like, yeah. How do you know that you didn't friggin' wing one of those? Like you were shooting yeah. from fifteen hundred yards away. I don't care how good your spotters are, but you know that's nuts. <laughs> but yeah, you know, John. Like, do you do you think it's? Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I it, it, these situations that you like the situation you described. It's actually more common than I'd, I'd like to. I'd like it to be. Um, do you do you think I I I I try to look? I guess in the look at people as like not being you know uh just horrible hunters or horrible people i i think a lot of times it's just they're naive right they see, i mean that's what i hope i hope that's what it is yeah 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 i guess and i i assume that's my i mean i guess that's my hope too because you know there's things man like even even if you and i've got a i've got a good story we can we can jump into on this that's you know it's not a it's not a the outcome was not good but i think it's a pretty good learning experience for people but uh man i'll just tell it john because it depicts the point if it okay. makes sense but go for it i remember so so i had i had guides uh guiding for me at the time it was late season in colorado and i was guiding a mule deer hunter and my guides were guiding elk hunters and uh i uh we get we get back at night we're we're at the lodge we're eating dinner and uh one of my guides and a hunter comes in and they're excited and uh you know they he had a good shot opportunity they shot right at dark the bull was bedded in the snow they give me kind of the brief on the story um missed missed his first shot and then had a good follow-up shot and and shot they think the bull's dead, but it was right at dark, so they're going to go right in, right back in the morning, which is which is totally fine protocol for us in Colorado at that time. I and mean, you're talking about, you know, it's going to get negative 20 degrees. So this is fairly normal for us to do. Like a good shot right at dark instead mm-hmm. of bumping an animal at night, we'll come back in the morning. All good. But the way he told the story, I kind of sensed like, ooh, hold on, like I want to hear more details. And so... He told me like I, I said, are, and I remember asking him like, "Are you are you sure? Are you sure the second bull, the second shot was at the same bull?" Oh yeah, 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 for sure it was, right? And so, and then like, "Are you for sure you missed the first shot?" And he said, "Oh yeah, 
the guide said to me, he said, oh, yeah, Cliff, like I saw the snow. I saw the snow splatter like three feet in front of the bull. I don't know how he could have missed the bull by so far because I saw the snow shatter up in front of the bull. And, and a matter of fact, that snow not, you know, kind of knocked into the bull and the bull stood up. And uh, he said, I mean, he, he, I don't know how he missed him by so far. But what was weird, John, is the hunter, mm-hmm. he was a great, I mean, he's a good guy. He said several times, he said, man, I don't like the shot felt so good. Like that shot felt good. And that, that all, like I always use that as an indicator. If a hunter tells me the shot feels good, like I don't ever discount that because there's just, there's a lot of value in that information. But anyways, mm-hmm. it's making me feel weird. So I told the guy, I said, man, when you go in there, like I, I, like I trust you, man. But when you go in there, loop around in there and make make damn sure there's not another blood trail. I just felt bad about. It. I felt this eerie feeling about it. And uh, sure enough, the next day, you know, I'm up guiding. I'm you know up looking for mule deer, and I get my t- my inreach beeps at me, and I know exactly what it is. You know what I mean, John? And yeah. sure enough, I look and it's two two dead bulls. What do you want me to do? And so. No, I think it's like two dead bulls already called already called already called Dan, who's our who's our local game warden or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just tell him, well, quarter the two bulls up, we'll pack them out, and we reported it all that, and and you know it it was what it was. But the full story, what had happened is that bull was bedded in the snow, and we're talking like you know foot and a half of snow. Mm-hmm. And when when that hunter shot the the dust the the snow dust that the guide saw yeah it wasn't uh, it 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 looked like it was way below the bull but it was just skimming the top of that snow okay. and it hit the bull like just perfect killed the bull you know what i mean but the bull stood up like they do looked around like what the hell happened and he walked back in the timber and well he tipped over you know he tipped over dead and another bull stood up and that's the first time they saw the other bull, oh. you know, and, that, and that, that's real common, man, with these bulls like that are bedded right on timber is you have got to make sure you're shooting at the same bull because other, you know, these, they're, they're bulls after the rut. They're hanging out with buddies and they're hanging out with buddies that are typically the same age class as they are. So they all look the same. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so, so that's what happened. That bull, you know, he got up, act like he wasn't shot, but he was walking dead walking the trees and died unfortunately one of his buddies that looked just like him got up and he got shot too and Crazy. so i mean it, it's it 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 can happen a lot easier and it happens to the honest guy like this guy this guide is a phenomenal guide and this hunter is a great guy like he doesn't have he had no intentions of doing that at all right but it's just the idea of like he saw that what all it came down to is he saw this variable, right? Like he saw that dust blow up and he was certain. Like that's just like certain I missed because of the snow dust, right? Mm-hmm. And people do it I I mean I've I've called shots on Audad, like in West Texas. I mean where it's just like, you know, dirt bone dry dirt. And I'll be like missed you know, missed high, right? Like, hey, do you, I mean, looks like you were you looks like you're a foot high, right? And then before the guy racks another shell and the ram starts, you know, starts dive bombing downhill. I'm like, ah, hold on. Like you hit him. I go ahead and shoot him again, but he's hurt. I don't know how it looked like you missed him. And then I'll go back to my, you know, the video. I use video a lot, like on right. my spotter, you know, and I'll go back to the video. and I'll be like, yeah, dude, all it was was complete pass through bullet. But that dust just came straight up and it looked like to me it was way above his back. You know, that's, it's not yeah. that you have to be really wary of those indicators, you know. Absolutely, that's happened to all of us, for yeah. sure. I, I've know. I've had it happen. It's happened to me um, on. It, it happened to me on a javelina uh, with my daughter, and because they're so low to the ground, yeah, I was for sure she missed it. She didn't miss it. Um, thank God we didn't end up going to shoot another one. But um, and then again with Havelina, this is another. This is completely not not missing. I actually got lucky on this one. But um, I was guiding a client, and when I was in my scope and I set up the trail, uh, the uh, phone scope, 
um, there was one javelina standing there broadside. But when I went over to go help her get set up and, uh, you know, find the javelina, another javelina must have walked up and was standing behind the original one that we were going to shoot. And even in the video, it looks like until she shoots, it looks like there's one javelina standing there. And she shoots. Oh, yeah. And it just happened to be that she shot high and it went just over the hair of the first one and hit the spine of the second one. Huh. And I was like, oh my God, there's two Havelina there. Like I like had just gotten back over to my binos. And uh, yeah, it was, I mean, that stuff happens, man. <laughs> That's, uh, oh, yeah, it's, a, it's a shitty thing, but it happens. But like, I, got, I got lucky because we didn't kill two Havelina, but we could have very easily. Had she yeah, been, yeah, it, you know, one click down yeah, yeah. or something, we would have definitely had two Havelina. So. Yeah, and, and it's just, I mean, these are like honest mistakes, but they have pretty, pretty big consequences. I, I did a, I did a, a video on, you know, kind of this concept on my YouTube channel. And like, if you go to the comments, John, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, it's like probably close to a hundred stories of guys having these situations, right. you know what I mean? And then. And I think, uh, uh, and I, and I, it's kind of one of those things because it's almost like dirty to talk about and, and I don't, yeah. Cause I, I don't, you don't want to shed bad light on hunting. You know, you don't want to feed, yeah, into, you don't, yeah, exactly. you you don't, don't want to feed into the anti-hunting, uh, you know, narrative that we're just out there shooting shit like crazy and wounding animals and whatever. I mean, it's a part of it, unfortunately, but it, you know, that's not what the intention is. So. Right. But the, the other part about it to me, John, is like one thing about like this particular subject or the blood trailing subject we talked about. If somebody's never heard a story, they're, they're real prone to being naive about it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or just like making that. I, I think just like I get people not wanting to talk about it because they don't want you know to look bad personally, make make hunting look bad or, or you know, or even their segment archery you know, hunting or right. what you know, they don't want to you know, it to look bad, but I think being transparent about the stories does help because I mean, my family is if somebody reads one of these, mm -hmm. they'll be like more cautious in the future, you yeah. know, you know what I mean? And they'll be like, Oh, you know, it's, it, it, I guess I can only say that for me personally, when I hear these stories or, you know, I experienced them over the years, it made me, it, it made me do things in the future differently. So I kind of hope this stuff does that for people, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it's the, uh, uh, a, a smart man learns from his mistakes. A wise man learns from other people's mistakes. You know, they listen, <laughs> yeah, exactly, they, listen yeah. they listen to the stories and they're like, Oh, you know what? This might be one of those situations. Let me, uh, you know, let me put a little bit more effort into it or whatever the case may be. But yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I get not wanting to say it out loud too and make yourself look bad. But I think if you're, depending on the audience, right? Like if you're talking, if you're preaching to the choir, if you're talking to the to your uh, inner circle, it's okay to have those conversations and hopefully they'll learn from you. When you get into like more public forum where it could be kind of misconstrued, I, I get it. I get it. You know? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. But, um, what else you got for me, man? Tell me another story. In terms of stories... Um, oh man, like I'm trying to think of, uh, what kind of stories do you like, man? Oh, I I've mean, got a good, uh, anything that's like I said, a learning experience or, you know, maybe even tactic stuff like where you've kind of like, well, you know what? I learned that if I started doing this, I be able to harvest, you know, this species, uh, more consistently or whatever the case may be. Yeah. yeah you know, I have a, um. You know, one minute, one minute, this took me forever to learn it, particularly, it, it particularly is the case for, for goats and sheep hunting, but it applies to all species. And, uh, and I remember, I can remember a couple hunts that kind of, kind of made it uh, a thing to me, but it was just more of like developing patience about, you know, about the, the opportunity. And this particularly case, like, I mean, let's take goat hunting, John, like goat hunting, you know, if you're goat hunting in Colorado, hunting mountain goats, 
it's usually not about it's usually not about finding them. They're fairly easy to find. Hmm. Most areas, you know, the the density of them is, you know, where you're gonna you're probably gonna glass up goats every couple hours. You know what I mean? If you're in the gen, you know, generally the right area, you're, you're looking at the right the right topography. Mm-hmm. The challenge the challenge with them always is, and it goes for sheep too. The challenge sometimes is just finding them where you can get to them and where where you can kill them. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, I mean, I just remember I was just talking to the guy a couple of days back. That's why it popped in my mind. But we had a we had a sheep hunt in a in a unit that in Colorado. I had guided in a couple times, like big you know big like Continental Divide type of fourteen or stuff. Hmm. And uh, we had to backpack. We had to backpack in there, and it was probably like I don't know five or six hour backpack to get to the back of this basin. We couldn't horseback it just because there's there's no feed there or anything for horses. So, and and he was an older guy, but in great shape. And then I took I took a guy that a guy that worked for me with me too. So we were we were pretty well equipped. But I remember we were hiking in the first day. We get off in the morning. We get probably three and a half hours into it. We're we're completely we're completely whooped, and we're I don't know half you know hour and a half something like that from from where we're gonna camp and. All the rams in this unit at this time, like in, in September, they're, they're in these huge bachelor groups. So when you see them, like it can be a big, you know, big, broad mountain unit where you think there's tons of sheep habitat. But literally, you know, there's 40 mature rams in the unit or there's 30 mature rams in the unit. And they're in two groups. And those two groups are 200 yards apart. That's a deal. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? So yeah. like when you find them, when you find them, you've either they're there and like that's where they're going to be so we i look up at this ridge line and i see i see the groups of rams i see both bachelor groups of rams and they're up like in just the hellhole rim of this thing right and we're sitting there and they're like in a marginal spot to like they're in a marginal spot to kill them but they're along the continental divide which which like if they go over it, like if, if we spook them or something, and they go over it. It means like, it means like a twenty-hour logistical thing for us. We're gonna have to pack out, you know, drive four hours around. Like it's a big oh, deal, you know. So yeah. we're sitting there, and I'm thinking, we're having this debate, right? Like the Rams are there; they might be killable, but it's just this internal debate of you know figuring out. Okay, we go up there. We let's say. You got to like handicap it, right? You're like, okay, we're going to get up there. We've got a couple hours of light. Can we get up there, kill one? You know, what are the chances of doing that? You know, do we have a 70% chance of doing this? We're all tired. We've been packing in. But the on the inverse side of this, like what's the downside? If we botch this thing, like what are we looking at um, as a downside? And we all, I mean, the, the reality is if I'm being totally transparent, I think me and the guy the guy that worked for me we were like let's go do it now right you know like let's go we see him let's go get it done now and uh the hunter i think just gave us like a you know just a you know wasn't like telling us what to do but kind of like pushed a little patience into our brains it, it is is the way i remember it it's just like hey like you're just asking us like hey well, like do you think those rams are gonna move it's like, nah, dude, I think those Rams have probably been there for a couple of weeks. As a matter of fact, I kind of know, I knew they had been there for a couple of weeks because I'd been in there scouting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, all right, all right, let's just go camp and we'll, we'll come back and, and see what they do over the next couple of days. And for me, man, you know, as a, as a guy, that was like the hardest thing for me to do. They're there, like, let's go do it. And we go camp and then. Sure enough, we go camp, and these 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 groups of rams just start bouncing along this hillside, and they're you know they're like probably twenty five hundred feet of elevation above us, maybe three thousand feet of elevation above us. So like oh, it's wow. going to be like a big deal to climb up there to them. Mm-hmm. And we're watching them, and over the next two or three days, the situation just gets worse. Oh. You know, I mean, they just they just get like further. They get right on the continental divide. One day they're on the other side of the divide, like we don't see them. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking we we should have killed them. You know what I mean? We should have killed them when we get a chance. We got a chance, right? Mm-hmm. And then the fourth day we get up in the morning, we get up where we, where we've been glassing and I can't, we cannot find the Rams at all. Ne- neither group is there. 
And then I look across and there's some lakes down in there and I look across into the chute and literally all the rams are down like in the willows. And I cannot believe it. Like they're down, you know, they're about 500 feet above this lake, right? And then we zip over there. It was actually kind of a, it was kind of a, 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 a really quick stock because we knew, we all, we all knew the thermals were going to change on us, but we were able to just dive under there underneath them, get the shot. Ram got killed. It was like the easiest deal ever because we didn't have to do the climb. It's just one of those stories that made me think like, dude, that could have gone, you know, went perfectly. Yeah, we were in there for a couple more days, but we ended up with the scenario where the, the risk of the stock was like almost non-existent. If we would have botched them there, the wind would have turned, whatever, they would have still stayed on this side and just moved off. But just a little patience made it, you know, mitigated all that risk. And since then, since then, I've used that a bunch on goat, like goat hunting and stuff like that. Same deal. Like I'm getting older. I don't want to die on a goat hunt, you know? Yeah, let's And it's just like, look, look, eventually these goats are laying up in these rocks and it's questionable if we can get them out of there, if we kill them, like, let's just wait. And it's it, honestly like usually within 48 hours, that waiting pays off. You're not, not, I mean, there's certain scenarios where this isn't the case, but I've just learned from like stories like that. To, to understand, you know, the downside versus the opportunity and try to try to mitigate that and be, be a little patient, you know, when I can be. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know, man, that, that might be one that I don't, maybe, maybe I don't agree with you. I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm like of the school of thought, if there is an opportunity, take it. Because I've had it so many times where the opportunity never represents itself. And, you know, you still have to weigh it, like, right? I mean, if, if, if I think that there's a, but I'll preface, let me, let me explain it a little bit better, I guess. If I think there is a chance, you know, and I usually use, the percentage of what uh whatever the success rate is maybe you know on that species uh yeah. for, for that uh equipment that we're using that weapon we're using you know if i like for bow hunting mule deer or whatever let's say it's 20 percent. i don't even know i'm just pulling shit out of my ass right now but um you know if i think there's a 20 percent chance or better to do it then then i'm gonna do it you know, especially if it's me personally hunting, I'm a little bit more conservative when I'm guiding. Um, but when I'm personally hunting, I definitely, if I see a chance, I go after it. I hear, heard everything yeah. you said. And in my, 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 uh, rationale, I was like, or my reasoning, I was like, you know, this sounds very reasonable, but I know yeah. me, I know me. And I know yeah, so th- what my experience has taught me. And I just, I don't know. I found myself like, I, I, just, I was just remembering Ibex hunting in 2016 and being out on the scariest like little three-inch ledge cliff like that I was going to plummet to my death that nobody else should ever, <laughs> ever do. But I saw an opportunity to go shoot a ibex which consequently i did not hit um but i was like and then i got back and i was like wow what the fuck did i just do like even my cameraman's like i ain't going out there dude i'm like okay just stay back here and film from here you know but i was like yeah i don't know i'm I'm maybe i'm just a different cat but I, yeah, no, I don't. If I, I see an opportunity, is, the, I go for the thing it. Is, so, so what I would say, John, is like just, just <laughs> to give some context to it. Um, I, I would, I, and maybe, maybe you're similar this way. We may, we may not disagree on it. Like if I, if I was in, so archery, so excuse me, like over the counter rifle elk hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel the opposite way about it, right? Like right. we don't ever. If I know there's a bunch of variables that could you know that are gonna play in right. to this opportunity to not not you know exposing itself again then yeah you have to be aggressive and i will say 
because I kind of like a data nerd. Like the guides that work for me, particularly in elk hunting, the guides that just like when they were presented with an opportunity, even, you know, the, you know, the standard one is like, oh, hey, a bull just came out of the timber 45 minutes before the end of shooting light mm-hmm. and we're going to have to run over there to kill it. Generally, my guides that would be like, let's go do it, even though we don't know, those guides generally are better, like higher success rate guides. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. just are. If if they if they just they don't they don't like they don't wait on it. They just go do it. The yeah. num I mean the stats for sure they're more successful. So I guess for me it's kind of like what you said. It depends on the species for sheep for sheep for sheep and goat for me for that specific or, yeah. I was to say when that that specific yeah, yeah. Uh, specific story that you gave, I probably would have did the same thing. But yeah, yeah. for I the most part, I am like. You, you give me an opportunity. I'm like, I'm like, uh, what's that movie? Dumb and Dumber. When when she's like, there's not a chance in a million years. And then he's like, you're saying there is a chance. That's me. That's like, uh, well, I'm that guy. You, you've probably been, you've been burnt. You've been burnt by so many times of like waiting on it, and then it, it never, never yeah. popping back up. I and I, I get that. I, yeah. I, I get that too. That's just like a, it's just figuring out what what makes sense what makes sense at the, at the time. And, and maybe it's like relative, you know, maybe it's relative to my, my perspective, you yeah. know, before, I mean, I, I've got a lot of goat hunts in particular and, and I, I, I lost one goat with a hunter uh, years ago and uh, it's like burnt into my mind because we, we, it was just like a horrible experience and it was, it was just crazy difficult to get, you know, to, it, I mean, it was like a situation that would have killed us. You right. know what I mean? hundred percent. Um, and, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And this is like, it's, it's a, it's a interesting topic, John, because I mean, I've talked to hours amongst my guy, you know, with my guides that work for me, it, you know, and, and some guys are, you know, are e- even heavily pressured elk. They, they always want to wait. And then some guys always want to just like seize the moment, even if it's very marginal opportunity. So I don't know, man, I think it's just like a, you got to handicap it. Yeah. I mean, it, it all comes down to, um, recalling on your experiences and making the decision in the moment, you know, whatever is going to be the best. Um, and for me, I guess, you know, it's always, not always, obviously there's no, there's no absolute, but um, for the most part, I've found more success being aggressive than I have being, you know, the guy that sits back and sits back and waits to see what unfolds. But you know, that's yeah. bit me in the ass too. Yeah, especially oh, yeah. like you yeah, know, yeah. like on a stalk or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm definitely my my lack of patience has definitely bit me in the ass a few times too. But as far as you know, seizing a an opportunity, I think for the most part that has been uh, to my benefit. Yeah, go for it. And, I, and I, I, I think that's for sure the case in a particular uncertain species. Um, no, I, I hear you. And, and John, I'm just curious, like the the context of that. Do you feel that way on like you you guide you do you guide elk? Yes. And do you do you, are they are they heavily pressured elk? Are they are I, they high are they high point draw tags? And do you feel differently, I guess, between the two? You know, um, we don't really have any. I shouldn't say we don't have any. Our rifle hunts. Some of our rifle hunts are pretty high pressured. Um, and when I'm on a high pressured elk hunt, um, I feel, especially if it's a rifle hunt, I feel like brown is down because that's the mentality. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I feel like if we get an opportunity, we're, we're going to do our damnedest to make, to seize that opportunity, you know, um, it's kind of actually reminds me of what we're talking about now, this story I'm thinking about in my head. And it also reminds me of what we were talking about earlier with the blood, with the blood trailing and whatnot. I had a client who had literally the highest pressured hunt we have and it's the very last hunt so these animals have been shot at and been chased around for you know three four months or whatever um 
It's like right in the beginning of December. And uh, we had a freaking hell of a time. It was me and one of my guides. Um, and man, I couldn't, I couldn't pay for a freaking bull. We found a couple of spikes and he was, I had to talk him off. He wanted to shoot at spike. And I was like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. We're going to find something. We're going to find a branch antler bull at least, you know, even if it's a raghorn, let's, let's, let's at least look for that. Let's not shoot a spike. And you know, the very last day, um, we had seen a couple of elk moving down in this like super thick, like manzanita and oak scrub brush. And we were up high and we were glassing into these like coolies below us. And I could see a body of an elk, didn't know what it was. And I was just staring at it. My, my guide, uh, Clint, he, uh, went out and out on this point and he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get a different angle into that area. And apparently there was another elk laying down there that we couldn't, I couldn't see. And it was a bull. It was a good bull, good six point bull. Um, and we were, I think we were 600 yards from it. Um, and my client was, he's a military guy, very, you know, good, good shot. I had my, uh, 300 rum. And, uh, you know, it's 210 grain bullet and not that we shoot out this far, but it's clicked out to 1500 yards and very accurate to that. You know, we practiced that far and he had, he had shot it out to 800. So, um, I felt confident we couldn't get any closer. It was either get into bow range or shoot from there type situation. We got to 500, I think it was 550. We were the closest we were, we can get to without um, losing sight of him and he was bedded down and, you know, it was one of those situations, man. We hadn't seen an elk the whole week. This was the end of the week. This was the last, the last evening. And, um, anyway, he shot, he hit him. I don't know where he hit him because I had, I said, okay, I'm going to go get behind my, I got him set up. I said, I'm going to go get behind my binos. And he shot before my eyes even hit the binos. Yeah, and I got you. So I don't know. And Clint was in a similar situation. He ha- he wasn't like ready for the for the guy to shoot. Um, so he kind of caught it, but he didn't catch it. So I don't know what ended up happening. Um, I kept Clint up top there, and I had him glassing, and I stuck a radio in my ear, and we went down. And uh, him and I and the hunter, we went. Uh, and you know, took a look to see what, what happened. And I found blood like right where he shot him, right where he hit, right, right where the elk was laying. There was a little bit of blood there. And then there, like just to the right of where he was laying, it was like a 15 foot drop off into a 10, 15 foot drop off into a wash. And at the bottom of that, there was blood. And I mean, I looked the rest of that evening and then we came back the next morning. I extended the trip a little bit uh, and we searched for, I don't know, five or six hours and I did not find not another speck of blood, no sign of any. So I have no clue where this elk was hit. It was um, very, very um, emotional for all of us because it was a roller coaster of not, you know, putting in a lot of effort. We were, going in deep and spend a lot of time and effort and couldn't find it. And then we finally find this bull and it didn't happen. Um, and he was devastated. The hunter was upset with himself. Anyway, long story short, couldn't find that bull. And, um, but it was one of those situations where I was like, we got an opportunity. You know, I don't know if this bull's going to be in here tomorrow. Really he didn't even have it tomorrow. But he would have, you know, extended it. But sure. Uh, and I only had half a day the next day. Like I, I couldn't really give him a full day because I had to get back. Um, yeah. It was just one of those things. I was like, okay, here, you know, here's our, here's our opportunity. It's not the greatest, you know, but I, th- it's doable. And like in my yeah. heart of hearts, I know, like if it was me, we'd have a dead bull, you know. 
and that's that's what makes it really hard because you start thinking about things like that instead of thinking about it through the eyes of the person who's going to be the trigger man, you know, or through the experience. Like if it's something you know that you you can do and there I guess there's a slight possibility that you can't do it and you're guiding somebody, then the chances are they're less capable of making it happen than you are. So I guess you got to take that into consideration. So now that's something I take into consideration too. Like, am I thinking through, am I thinking this through? Like if I was going to be the trigger man or can we make this happen with the person that I'm guiding? You know? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No. I was just going to say, like, I think in, in, it's obviously very, very much the case, like if you're guiding, but even if you're hunting with buddies, you know, it's not, doesn't have to always be applied to, to guides or outfitters or whatever. A lot of hunting is just like, it's like doing this risk mitigation or not, not risk mitigation, like this, this judgment call, Mm -hmm. you know, on like, you know, can we do it? Can we, can we not, can we not? And I mean, it's, it's more of just a, I, I won't tell you the whole story, but my, my wife had a desert sheep tag hmm. in Colorado. This was three or four years ago. And it it was, it's a type of area where you could, you could kill a ram. You know, you could, it only, it within, if somebody called me and said, Hey, I only got 48 hours to do this hunt. I'd be like, you're, you're not going to have a problem. You know what I mean? Like you may not find the biggest ram in the unit, but you're going to find a rep- representative ram in 48 hours. And you're going to have a, fun time right mm-hmm. well me and me and me and my wife hunted for 10 days oh, um and, and we had a blast she had a ton of opportunity um the whole time but she's you know she's a fairly new hunter she's hunted some with me but she has a she almost has a little bit of a a little bit of a complex around not not wounding an animal like she's just right almost like like overthinks every, it too much she's a, yeah, she's she's in phenomenal good shape. She's tough. She can get around. She enjoys, you know, glass of animals, all of that. But when she gets shot opportunities, she almost gets like 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 a panic attack is too extreme. But like it's 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 very. She wants it to be perfect. Mm. You know what I mean, John? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we battled with we, we battled with this with this like throughout this this hunt. And, uh, you know, just having opportunities, but just wasn't quite perfect. And then going to the, uh, the, the next opportunity, what I realized, man, like over, like throughout this deal is that a lot of it was me, man. Like a lot of it was me reflecting like, look, this, this Ram should be dead. You know what I mean? And it's like, it made it, it made it worse instead of, instead of, instead of hunting with the concept of like, Hey, let's find a good opportunity that's going to work for her, you know? that being the focus Mm -hmm. that's what i should have done but instead i'm just like we're just gonna keep finding opportunities where i could kill a ram it's like well i'm not the one killing the ram so it doesn't matter so we we would we would keep getting this situation where we do like these epic stalks we get up in like nasty rocks Mm -hmm. and then she can't get comfortable and then she's you know she can't make the shot and then she ended up killing a ram literally because we knew the rams were going to come down into this flat we had seen them several times she was set up she was comfortable with the gun she was able to shoot it but the first day i should have been looking for that type of opportunity for her not doing all the other stuff right 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 well i mean the the upside of that is now maybe when she's presented with something that's a little off like not the ideal situation being comfortable or whatever now maybe she'll have more confidence to make that shot oh because what's the reason why you have that confidence that you can make because you've been there freaking how many times in your life you know and so if you don't expose yourself to those you're never going to do it you know so yeah yeah for sure yeah well Awesome, man. I thank you for coming on, and I appreciate uh, you sharing the stories with us. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll get you back on another day and uh, and, and do a more traditional podcast. Maybe do some uh, tactic stuff with you. Enjoy the cool. conversation. Yeah, yeah, sounds good, John. Ho- hopefully, people get some value out of those. Yeah, where can our listeners find out more about you and follow along with your adventures? 
Yeah, I mean, so so probably the main uh, ways to contact me and, and follow along are Instagram. It's Cliff C L I F F G R Y. There's no A in the in the name there. I had somebody else had my name already. And then the other way is just on YouTube. If you go on YouTube and just and just uh, put Cliff Gray into the search bar, my channel will come up. So those are your best ways to follow along. Awesome, man. Thank you very much, and uh, have a good uh, Memorial Day. <laughs> cool. You too, John. Thanks, right, man. Buddy. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out daysinthewild.com, and be sure to give us an, a review on iTunes. Thank you, and we'll check you out on the next episode.